Hey, we're, we're on the final week of our For Everyone series today, and we've been walking through Romans 9, 10, and 11, which really are inseparable, uh, those three chapters of Romans. If you read one by itself, you could get some really misled doctrine that you could live by, and uh, you need all three. And so we've been unpacking these a week at a time, chapter at a time, and uh, today is the final one as we dive into Romans 11. And I love uh, this, this section of Scripture. I really am, um, uh, I use one of the passages, which is like our final thought uh, today, often in conversation. And so I'm excited to get to that. And I think it's really going to encourage a bunch of you here today. Our big idea today is fitting for the series title again. It's God is for everyone. God is for everyone. Because we couldn't have called the series for everyone if we were going to say God is for like some people, right? So we had to go with the right thought. We get that out of our text here. Romans 11, we're going to read 10 of the verses to get going. I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people, whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you realize that the scriptures say, what the scriptures say about this? Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, They've killed your prophets, they've torn down your altars, and I'm the only one left. Have you ever felt like that? Am I the only one with integrity left on this planet? But it continues. And now they're trying to kill me too. And do you remember God, God's reply? He said, no, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. It is the same today. For a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace. His undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is. Free and undeserved. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God. They're looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen. But the hearts of the rest were hardened. As the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep. To this day, he has shut their eyes so they do not see, and closed their ears so they do not hear. Likewise, David said, let their bountiful table become a snare. A trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble and let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent over or bent forever. Encouraging passage. I'll pray for you and let's go. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Isn't that awful? It's like. So what just happened? Like, they are all doomed. Uh, Our first thought is through your faithfulness, others come to Jesus. Through your faithfulness, others come to Jesus. 
It's kind of prescriptive there. It's kind of interesting when you look at, like, these are two Old Testament characters that Paul is quoting Elijah and David and um, just the trials they went through feeling all alone. The trials they went through feeling like they were the only ones being faithful to God and why are we not experiencing the favor of God and why are bad things happening to me? And they're, they're talking to God and having these conversations with God that were recorded and now... Paul's able to look back just like you and I can read back in the Old Testament and see these patterns of faithfulness. Um, and sometimes it's hard to realize that if you're Elijah in the scenario or David, you feel all alone. But now we have this huge perspective. We know, oh, all's going to work out good. But when you're there in the moment, you go, what do I do? Right? What's going on, God? Why, is, why are things going bad, but it all seems so good? And uh, it was through a small remnant of faithful, believing Jews that Jesus all of a sudden is made known to the Gentiles. And Paul's trying to draw this correlation of what God is doing in the time that he's addressing. He's like, man, all, all these Israelites have fallen away from God, or they've just not responded yet to Jesus. Yet all these Gentiles are coming to faith in Jesus, and how do I explain this to the people I love, my fellow Israelites? And, and so that's what he's trying to communicate with illustrations they would comprehend from things they've studied in the Old Testament over their lifetime. So it was a majority of the Jews that were unbelieving at the point Paul was writing this. But it was a ton of Gentiles that were believing at this time. And so he's kind of unpacking that. And we, we look here of the importance of our faithfulness. We look here at the importance of, of our being solid in the grace and kindness of Jesus because we need to help others see the opportunity, as Paul is trying to explain here, to experience the grace and kindness of God. Paul is writing this dialogue because he knows that they've, a huge portion of his people, the Israelites, have not remained faithful. And he's saying, it, God can use a remnant, but man, stay faithful because I want that remnant to come back to God. He makes it very clear, too, inside this portion that they can do nothing on their own to earn God's grace or faith or favor. It's totally a choice of God. That's why it's called favor or mercy, unmerited grace, right? Like you can do nothing to get it. God just gives it free and undeserved. And uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to reward behavior, go with like the, you know, reward method with children before. And so you're going to motivate their change behavior with reward. Everybody's motivated different. Some are motivated by discipline. Some are motivated by reward. And, uh, and so sometimes you can do the reward thing, and, and we've probably all seen it backfire, right? Like you get a free toy if, let's just grab one out of the air, like you stop peeing in the flowers or the pots. I'm not saying that's ever happened in our house. And uh, so... You know, uh, so Dana got me a toy, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awful? Uh, but the, if, if you realize, it's like 
the, the truth of the matter is, is sometimes you do that. You give the reward because they stop uh, doing whatever they were doing. But now that they've got the reward, they start doing whatever they were doing again. And you just go, well, why didn't they remain? And Paul's kind of addressing, hey, here's this people, right? He kind of wraps this text up in verses 8, 9, and 10 and saying, you've got the lineage of heaven, and it's because you're blessed that you're missing it. They're just like, oh, we're in, you know, we're in Abraham's lineage. We're, we're all good. And he's given this warning to stay faithful through the blessings. And it's something that maybe we should get better in America because we're blessed. We're blessed. Like, and you, you look at the choice we have to just experience these blessings and kind of go, I could get complacent in these blessings or I could heed the warning that Paul referred to by David where he was warning the, the Jews of becoming complacent in the grace of God. And it's easy for us to do. We struggle with this same challenge today. We settle for good instead of great. We just rest on our success. The, our successes become the stumbling block for what's next in God's plan for us because we just rest in the first thing that works. And and just call that his blessings when he's got many more for us. we got to count our blessings and realize there's more ahead. And uh, when I look at the favor of God, and I, I honestly say this all the time um, around our team, our staff, when we're experiencing favor in a school, or um, I'll just hone in on a school, for instance, and, and we're able to do things there, that maybe in other places of the country churches can't do in schools, then you just go, that's the favor of God that we even have the opportunity to serve them in that way. And it's a window. And at any moment, that window could shut. And so we can never take the favor and kindness in this season of grace for granted but realize we have to make the most of the opportunity God presents us. It's like that in our life. It's like, thank you, God, for these blessings you've given me. I don't want to take these for granted. Thank you, God, for two working cars, because I know at any given moment, one may blow up, like what happened to us Thursday. Now my kids have a traumatic experience of going to Chick-fil-A. Sorry, John, because I know you're addicted need deliverance. But anyway, you know, so it's just a reality where luckily it wasn't very expensive to fix. So we still have a minivan. Shoot. Anyway, uh, <laughs> not like we could buy another car, but it was just like, come on. But when we're in a good season, it's dangerous, just like if we're in a bad season. And it's good for us to catch that. It's good for us to grab that right at the get-go. And just keep saying, man, all the glory to God. This is all him. This is all his favor. Let's keep reading. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll read verse 11 again. Did not God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient. So God made salvation available to the Gentiles. But he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. 
Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. I am saying all this especially for you, Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this, for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have, so I might save some of them. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who were dead. Let me read that phrase again. It will be life for those who were dead. A powerful truth of what the gospel does in our lives. Life for those who were dead. Verse 16. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy. Just as the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel, have been broken off. And you Gentiles who are branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You're just a branch, not the root. Isn't that just, that's like the sobering truth we need right there, okay? Welcome this morning. You're just a branch, okay? You're just a branch. Thought two, God has created space for you. It's honoring, right? Like God broke a branch off that's been there forever so that we could be grafted in, so that we could be attached to the vine, the life, God. But we're just a branch. Don't get confused and think we're the tree, the root, the everything, right? It's not about us. It's about God because of the unbelief of the Israelites. We had opportunity to graft into God, to be able to get our life from God. And I don't know, I remember, this is what's funny to me, and I have no idea how I ever did this. The first message I ever preached when I was a student of ministry and I had to like communicate a message, I have no idea why I grabbed it, but I grabbed this whole principle of grafting. I preached a message about grafting. If I remember right, it was to students. Can you imagine how boring that would have been, right? It's just like, I was like, why did I do that? But anyway, I remember doing it and studying grafting and, you know, tearing apart the process of the, this is before Wikipedia even existed to help you out, right? I was just like researching at a library and looking up codes. I'm just kidding. Not that old, Ed. But I was moving on and it was like, I was looking into, uh, you know, just what is this grafting process and simply stated you can, like, take a branch from one tree and connect it to a good portion of another tree, and they'll, like, connect together and grow two different trees. Like, you could have uh, an, an 
apple pear tree or whatever, right? You could grow, and there are apple pears. We had some earlier this year, and they're, they're different. But th- no, it's, you could have an apple and a pear tree. Or I, what, The best idea I could think of is you could have a, an apple, and you could have a, a pineapple, and you could, anybody see that video this week, right? P-P-A-P. Go, go YouTube it. It, it. It'll be stuck in your head, and it's a painful song. But it's called the Pen Pineapple Apple Pen song. Moving on. Um, but I look at that. I had to work that in. And nobody even challenged me. Uh, looking here at this reality, you could have an apple pear tree. You could have a pineapple kiwi tree. Whatever you want. By grafting, and that is what some of us feel like in the faith. Let me kind of zone in on this. Have you ever felt like you don't fit in the room? Or have you ever felt like you don't fit in the church? Have you ever just kind of looked around and go, okay, I know I'm hearing this, that God loves me, that he believes in me, that he's for me, And he's made a way for me, and he's made space for me, but I still feel like I'm not like everybody else. God never tended you to be like everybody else. He's grafting you into him. You're going to bear fruit that only your life and your story can bear. You're not supposed to look just like the other branches. And I think there's something in that that's incredibly freeing when we realize... Like, I can be me then. I can have my friends. Like, I'm on mission when I show up, wherever I show up. And we don't have to feel like we have to be the cookie cutter, dress the same, behave the same, say the same words. And maybe if we feel like we're doing it alone or we're doing it in a way that we don't belong, it's just... We haven't found the other branches that we can help be grafted in yet that bear the same kind of fruit we do. It's our role to attract to those that are like us, right? And it's interesting to see that God made space for us no matter what we're like. He made room. And uh, that's an incredible province. So jumping on forward, verse 19 in Romans 11. Well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ, and you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourselves. Remember, you're just a branch, right? He said that just a second ago. Don't think highly of yourselves, but fear what could happen. If God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He's severe towards those who disobey, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. If you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. Sobering, right? So, God's both kind and severe. Okay. Happy Jesus time might be just ended, you know. Um, The severity of God. Like, that's a thought I kind of don't want to experience. But yet, we got to realize he's kind and severe. Our third thought 
is choose to remain. If God broke off the people that were his from the very beginning, how how much more will he do the same with us if we denounce and turn our back on Christ? we got to realize he's consistent in his severity. We have to choose to remain as a part of God's family. And that's through continued faith in Jesus. Continue glory to God. Like our worship is so much more important than the songs we sing here on Sunday morning. Our lifestyle of worship is one that will keep us aware that we're nothing without the vine. We're just a branch. I love the way Jesus talked about this to his disciples right before the end of his, his life, right before he went to the cross and the grave and rose again from the dead. John 15 records it. Jesus is saying this. He says, I'm the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit of its fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Apart from me, like you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a a useless branch that withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Wow. Both kind and severe. Kind in that, man, we embrace the love of Jesus and we're engrafted into this relationship that is eternal, that is massively amazing. It's made perfectly clear from Paul and Jesus, like, here's the process. But if we don't remain in his love, if we start to just take for granted our relationship, we too are in danger of the severity of God. He says in verse 23 and 24, If the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again. For God has the power to graft them back into the tree. You by nature were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. So what's God telling us here? Well, there's some good news. If you fall away or if you've fallen away, if you feel right now, no, you know your private life, you know what's going on at home, you know what's going on behind closed doors when nobody's watching, if you've run away in spirit from Jesus, God's welcoming you back. He'll graft you right back in the same as he pruned you off. 
He'll allow you to harden your heart, but he'll allow you to soften it. You're not too far gone. Isn't that great news? Isn't that what we should be praying for those that we know have had a past experience with Jesus? That are in rebellion? That are maybe running? That are maybe making choices that don't reflect a, a, an embrace remaining in Jesus' love type relationship with God? Shouldn't that be our prayer? God, soften their heart. Let them hear you. Open their ears. Open their eyes. I pray that for multiple people on a daily basis. Because it's life transforming. And God's willing to make more room. If we just, he wants us to remain in him. Well, Romans wraps up like this. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles come to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem. He will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them, that I will take away their sins. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news. And this benefits you, Gentiles, yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 29. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Man, if you underline in your Bible or highlight on your digital Bible, highlight that passage. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are rebels and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. Final thought for God is bringing people to him. God will bring the Jews back to his family. It's communicated here clearly. God's continually working on people's hearts and lives to get back in step with the love of Jesus. That's why we're called to share Jesus with people, to be his messengers, right? To be his hands and feet, not just here, but to the ends of the earth. They might not look the same or have the same fruit. They may have been grafted in. They may have been pruned off. But we must love everyone. Love everyone. Verse 29 is the one that just wrecks me and I've used so many times looking eye to eye on a one-on-one -on -one with people who are just trying to process life. It's very clear. God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn and I've found so many people that at some point in time in their life, they've sensed a divine appointment. They've sensed a calling. They've been maybe youth at an altar at a camp or a conference, and they sense God speak to them, and they come home, and they're excited, and they say, I think God has called me to... But then life hits. Distractions come. Years pass. And a frustrated young adult is sitting there trying to make their way through profession and decisions and life. And that's usually the time I get to sit across from a coffee with them. Because God loves coffee. And look them in the eye 
And I use the, the verse I've memorized over the course of time is the NIV translation. We're reading from the New Living Translation today. But the NIV says it a little tiny bit differently. It says God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He's not going to pull that back. Has he called you to be a missionary as we heard from Avery last week in the video we shared with you? When she was at our camp at the age of 14, being told she was going to go to Indonesia at the age of 14? And yeah, here she is going to Indonesia with her life. Because you know what? God's call is irrevocable. His gifts and his call are irrevocable. We sang it today. Mandy or Dave or whoever picked songs today had no idea that I was going to hone in on this passage, but listen to this. We sang these words in the bridge of the song that we sang just a few minutes ago. It said, you chase me down. You called me out. How can I be lost when you've called me found? His gifts and his call of your life are irrevocable. Dream bigger dreams. Because if he's given you one, it should freak you out. And if it's not impossible, it could be bigger. Let's dream God-sized dreams because he'll give us that call. It's a gift to us, and he's not going to take it back like it's yours to run with. And so I love it as a pastor. I love that one of my jobs is to look people in the eye and tell them, go for it. Like, go for your calling. You feel God's called you to be a pastor? You're going to be miserable in some other profession. He's never going to stop chasing you down. You think God has called you to be a missionary? He's then... Go for it, because he's going to pursue you. Vacationing's not the same as missions work. You can travel, but he wanted you to travel in a different way, you know. Why do your bags keep getting lost? I'll tell you why. No, I'm just kidding. He's like, stupid traveling. His gifts and his call are irrevocable. I just want that to sink in today. Because he's bringing people to him. He's going to speak clearly to you in a moment of intimacy with him. And you need to grab a hold of that call. Because he's not going to take it back. He's going to fan it into flame. And it's ours to walk it out. And it's other people to encourage you. So man, if you... If that's you, that's why groups are so beautiful. You can share that in a room saying, man, I really feel from my reading this week like God challenged me to do this. And now everybody in that room gets to be responsible for encouraging you to pursue that. I love being a youth pastor. John's got my envy job. I love youth. But it was cool this week as he takes some future college students to like university thing like that's his deal. He took three kids to check out some different colleges. And, and I'm like, he's held responsible for making a path for them to fulfill their callings. Like, that's kind of intimidating, right, John? It's a big responsibility. And it's just like, but that's what God's called us to do. That's like our role, not just as pastors, 
as fellow followers of Jesus sitting across the table from one another on mission with Jesus together, we get to encourage people to fulfill their calling. Romans 11.36 says this, everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Here's our action point today. Rely on God's power. Right? Jesus is the vine. You're not. You're just a branch. So welcome today. You're just a branch. The wind yesterday knocked down a few branches. Look at that on the ground and go, huh, could graft in a branch, but I'm just a branch. And this could be me or that could be me. Let's be on the vine. Let's keep ourselves in God's word. Let's keep ourselves pursuing God's love. Let's keep ourselves sharing that love. Let's remain today. and Realize you're not too far away from that call that was whispered in your ear 20 years ago, 10 years ago, six months ago. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable for you. Tap into his power through following Jesus and enjoy the adventure. God, I thank you for everyone here today. Thank you for DVRs. Because we've got our priorities straight. I'm just kidding. Okay, Lord, I do thank you that you give us the opportunity not just to choose you in a moment of inspiration, but to follow you and remain in you. And I pray for if that's the inspiration needed in someone's life today and they've yet, they're sitting here and and they're looking at that connect card and they're going, man, I need to check this box. I choose to follow Jesus. But for some reason, I've never crossed that line and I've never checked it. God, I pray right now that you would just give them the courage to reach out to you and say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I don't have to be afraid of the fact that I don't look like every other branch on the vine. You've created me original, and I want to graft into Jesus today. It's a crazy visual picture of salvation that you gave us today. But God, I pray as well for those in the room that they know, they know where they're at with you. They know where they're at with you in their personal walk, and their marriage. It's a, maybe a student in their school. Where are they compromising, God? You're calling them back to you. You're saying, come on back. I'll graft you right back in. You'll bear fruit and fruit that will endure. Help us to run back to you when we get off track. Not be those with hardened hearts and ears that don't hear, eyes that don't see what you want of us. And those that have been called according to your purposes for our life. Let us run down that path and accomplish the dreams that intimidate and scare the bejeebers out of us. But yet in your power, we can accomplish anything. So we want your power at work through us today. We depend on you, God. All glory goes to you. Thank you for your unconditional favor, mercy, and kindness, and love. In Jesus' name.